HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by VisitNapaValley.com, the official page for travel to the Napa Valley, America's legendary wine, food, arts, and wellness capital. For more information, visit www.VisitNapaValley.com. Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, January 28th. This is the 51st episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a very experienced hospitality website designer, and I will introduce him in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start with my PR tip. Then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to keep in the know, or perhaps I should say, keep in the now. Technology is constantly changing with new programs, apps, website designs, and tools that can help you and your business. Not everything is going to work for your needs, but some new inventions may be beneficial to you. So keep up with today's innovations. That's my tip today. Now, I'm happy to have my guest calling in from the West Coast. It is Peter Orfinus of Orf Media, an award-winning interactive digital media agency working out of both New York and Los Angeles. His company has been creating online media solutions and custom website designs in the hospitality business for over 10 years. So, hello, Peter. Are you out there? Yes. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. It's great to be on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm, I'm sorry you couldn't make it to the studio, but I hear you're out in L.A., right? I, I know. It was very difficult because I love getting the pizza over there and <laughs> i was actually hoping to stop by and grab grab one of those uh small little pies that they have with the uh with the honey and uh i think sriracha on it so uh 
<laughs> but uh, I'm you know I'm in Los Angeles now. I just got in, so perfect timing. Okay, good. And you can come back to Roberta's another time. Absolutely. So tell me how you got into website design and then specifically for the hospitality industry. So we started out over 10 years ago as an online video company. And my background is from film and TV. I've worked on a number of independent movies as well as worked for Warner Brothers TV, producing their TV promos. And during the whole collapse, actually, around 2000 uh, or 2001, you know, with 9-11 and the Internet bubble bursting, uh, online video for us was too early on. And we literally knew we loved working on the web, but we really just focused on videos. But the big thing about the videos at the time was that the website design for the videos was not conducive towards the uh, the viewing environment. So we would redesign the web pages to preview uh, preview the videos that we were producing at, the, at, at that during that time. And what happened was when we realized that after we had exhausted all of our uh, options with online video with various groups and with the uh, with the internet bubble, and then after nine eleven, uh, we decided to go into web design because we had been designing a number of these web pages and actually thought we could put something together very well. So our first actual web design client was Julia Stiles, the actress. Ah, that's interesting. I didn't know that's how you got your start. Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, I have no formal training in uh, Photoshop. Uh, but Neither do I. <laughs> I, I, had actually, I had actually started out with uh, After Effects. Adobe After Effects. So uh, at that point in time, when I was using After Effects for our online video, I had met uh, a few people from ILM who had given me some advice on how to do visual effects, and that had really retrained me on how I looked at online video, motion graphics, and graphics overall. And over the years, I've been uh, privileged enough to work with a lot of great graphics art, graphic artists, and, as well as uh, working with great brands that help inspire you to really achieve stuff, you know, that you normally wouldn't. But it, it's, it was an interesting progress. So how did you then get your first hospitality client, and who was it? So my first official, my first official restaurant was a uh, regular brand restaurant in New York City, uh, sort of an icon. Um, it was called Dorian's in Manhattan, and it's an institution for the Upper East Side. And uh, from there, we started building small restaurants in New York City. And then with the work we did with Julia Stiles, uh, we had happened to meet with some of Wolfgang Puck's people. And Wolfgang Puck really was our first official uh, big culinary chef uh, restaurant group that we put online and uh, really reshaped, you know, in my opinion, there weren't really many websites at all at that time that included the catering, the restaurants, but not only the restaurants, but the fine dining, uh, you know, fast casual and products. So it was this massive site that had all these different 
aspects to it, which was really incredible, especially for that time, which was around 2004, 2005. And we really, in our process of developing this website for them, we really educated ourselves in how to put together a solid restaurant group website, but also had it so that you can easily navigate through to the different areas, uh, you know, so that any user coming to that website will know the different restaurants he has, the different products he has, the catering, and so forth. So it was really, it was, it was pretty incredible. But our first, our first chef, really major chef, was Wolfgang Pott, and uh, it was great. Yeah, no, that is major. So, <laughs> no, I mean, everyone knows Wolfgang Puck. What, how much did he actually um, uh, work with you on the site? Was it his team or, or did he give a lot of input of what he was looking for? Well, first of all, I think depending on the organization, everyone has a different, uh, uh, a different workflow, so to speak. But uh, Wolfgang definitely gave a, a approval over the designs, and in general with most restaurant groups, especially that size, we work with, with the marketing department. And for them, they had different divisions with different marketing people. So it was taking a little bit of everyone and then getting Wolfgang's input and obviously a sign-off on what the website uh, was going to look like, the designs and so forth. Uh, but, you know, we really set out the goals, especially with the marketing teams from the different divisions, to make sure that what we built on the new website would perform for them and made sure that we had all the requirements in there for them uh, before the build, before the design was put in place. So, but, you know, from the chefs we've worked with, it, it you know, it really depends. I mean, you know, Bobby Flay personally approves every single design that goes out, um, and that's great. Uh, you know, there's uh, well, different well, chefs have different different ways of doing things in different organizations. It just depends. Yeah, so with Bobby, because he expanded, I mean, do you do all the Bobby's Burger Palace? Because that's become huge. Right. Um, so our primary stuff with him is uh, our, on, our cloud applications. And we have some restaurants, but primarily it's the uh, cloud applications. And one of them is for Bobby's uh, Burger Palace. And, uh, you know, uh, some of it's uh, more back-end solutions, uh, back-of-the-house management. So could you explain what cl- the cloud application is? Like, what exactly is that? Well, so there's uh, <laughs> Help me out. Yeah, so a cloud application, it sounds very generalized, but it really consists of, it can, can consist of several things for a restaurant group. It can consist of HR management. It can consist of recipes. It can consist of uh, anything from files to uh, whatever type of whatever type of details you may need in to help uh, feed the information through to different sources. So, uh, you know, to keep logs of different things going on. Um, what we find in the restaurant industry today is a lot of the major reporting software that's out there is not really configured to what each restaurant group is looking for. So our expertise in that area has been reconfiguring and creating systems that can do that for them. 
you know, we're not going to recreate the wheel by doing a new POS system. But at the same time, we can create a system for them so that they can create that information and then, uh, you know, distribute it the way it needs to be distributed. So a good example would be, you know, if you wanted to, if you do have a lot of different uh, different restaurants and you want to keep track of a few things uh, because you're not going to be in that location all the time, uh, we, we have reporting data that can have it sent from, uh, you know, that each restaurant can send out through the, through this cloud application and literally update, uh, you know, the main office every day and with the data that they want to see. That's so cool. Because, I mean, with, yeah. I mean, thinking, I'm just thinking websites, we all know what websites are and you go to, you visit a restaurant page and you can see what's happening. But you're talking about all this behind the scenes work that helps restaurant tours. Oh, yes. And... Really, the the best thing about uh, the websites these days are that they're a lot smarter than they used to be, uh, and you can really integrate them with a lot of different solutions so that you don't have to conform to a different workflow besides the one that you have. And from our experience, and you know, we have hundreds and hundreds of websites that we've done, especially with restaurant groups, but almost every single one of them is different. And I cannot take one specific application and then say, oh, let's make a copy of it and give it to this guy or that, that person. It's just not going to work because they want to see it a certain way because that is, you know, they build it a certain way, especially New York restaurant groups. New York restaurant groups here are sort of put together by patchwork, at least the old school ones are. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, without, without the big VC groups. But, you know, they all have a way of doing things. And we have uh, been very successful in translating that to an online application for them that they can use on a daily basis. Great. Well, let me ask you my question I had from last week because it ties into this. Uh, so yes. it was episode 50 I had on Keith Durst of Durst Hospitality Group. And he wanted to know if you're developing a platform to incorporate restaurant reservations into websites so that it seems more like a seamless event, uh, such as not going through OpenTable or a secondary website, developing more of a ticketing system. Are you doing something like that? Yes, we are. And uh, we have something under development right now that is uh, part of a larger component that we are testing out. And... We feel that at some point, OpenTable does a great job with what it offers. Uh, at some points, though, what we find, especially with smaller restaurants, is that uh, they don't necessarily uh, they ne- they can't necessarily afford the high cost of having OpenTable uh, right in the restaurant on a monthly basis. And you know what you've seen over the last ten years in general. It's not just with open table, but with all these web services, is that it's dwindled down that check that that customer pays every day at the restaurant. So there's more and more that the restaurant tour has to has to pay than they ever did. You know, I mean, it, and it's part of technology. It's part of, you know, getting better marketing. But, uh, you know, we definitely feel like open table provides an excellent service. I just think at some point, uh, there's only so much that these restaurants can pay on a monthly basis. 
right. before uh, before they run out of business. And uh, you know, otherwise they they would have to take the prices and make them even higher, which you know really these days hasn't worked as well. Uh, you know, you don't see as many true high end fine dining like you did maybe five years ago, ten years ago. Right. Well, I see also, I'm assuming some of your clients use OpenTable now and have the ticketing of OpenTable through their website, because I see that a lot. Is that yes. a hard thing to set up? Or, I mean, do you think we're, you're going to start going away from that is, I guess, what you're... No. Well, I, you know, it really depends on how our clients feel, you know, at some point or another, you know, when we start to deploy it and see if it works. But I have to say that, you know, if if I own a restaurant and I'm in a major commercial area, I know that all my other competition, all the other restaurants have open table. Uh, So the question becomes, you know, you're not just paying for the reservation service. You're also paying for the listing on open table as well. So if someone types in meatpacking district on open table because they've never been down to the meatpacking district, they're going to use Open Table almost as a restaurant search engine, mm-hmm. and so you know my my point is is that they have a lot of other benefits, and I don't know all of their benefits, but I know some of them, and uh, you know I just think it depends on the type of restaurant you are. Uh, it really does, and uh, I think it you know at the end of the day, there are simple, cheaper solutions that you can build into your websites that that can work. But, you know, it also depends on how many of them having the tablets in the restaurant, which I think is really necessary at this point. Uh, you know, it's it's a slow, slow evolution that's beginning to happen. Yes, it is. Okay, we're going to take a break here. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Peter Orfanis of Orf Media. He's calling in from Los Angeles, which brings me to my next question. I know, Peter, you have an office out in, in LA. So, what's the difference? Is there a difference between working with New York City chefs and restaurateurs and Los Angeles? Are they looking for something different with their websites? Well, I think, you know, the for us, it's really about the signature design, but also the amount of experience we have in the industry and the number of solutions we can we can provide our clients with. There's not many things that we haven't encountered, uh, especially over the last 10 years, uh, for solutions that that might be needed for different types of restaurants. 
And it's also about the relationships, you know, that we've made over the years as well. So uh, Los Angeles is, uh, I used to live here, as you know, probably about uh, 15 years ago. And so we have a really solid base here in terms of our relationships with with clients, and we're constantly getting new clients in Los Angeles as well. Uh, you know, some of our, one of the, the bigger restaurants in Los Angeles that's popular, the Factory Kitchen, Church and State, Natalie Thai, which is great. Uh, and then um, one of the premier chefs in Los Angeles, uh, who's, you know, a legend, celebrity in his own right, uh, Celestino Drago and the Drago family. And they own El Pastayo, uh, Drago Chantro as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we really, uh, we really understand the landscape in, in different cities, and understand uh, we can really assess how how things work through the restaurant business. And because of our experience in discovery and understanding the type of group they are, uh, the type of marketing they do, or how they're set up, so that we can work and set up their website so that it can work as a partner with them as opposed to just, you know, uh, this online thing that they access every day <laughs> to update the menus <laughs> and promos. But we also moved into the London market in December, into ah, the international market. That's exciting. And yeah, we have our uh, first uh, – we, we have clients outside the country, but this is the first one through our uh, international division – and uh, we're very excited. Uh, we got uh, we signed our first client uh, actually this week, earlier this week. Congratulations! And I was in London last week, meeting with them. But uh, it's uh, you know it's very exciting because when people look at our body of work and see the type of admin system CMS we have, which is our customized open source PHP system that we've been building up on over the years. Uh, they are instantly impressed because a lot of people use regular out-of-the-box CMS solutions like Joomla and WordPress. And definitely WordPress has gotten better over the years, and we've noticed some restaurant groups want to stay in WordPress. But I'm in WordPress. (laughs) <laughs> FYI. <laughs> when you hit save, does your website hang while it saves? Um, I'm I'm actually in the process of updating my website, so I don't. And what does that mean? Does it hang? Well, when you hit save, it pauses, and it takes a little while to load in the page after you save it. After uh, you hit publish. Um, I guess yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll make note of it next time I I save. <laughs> uh, over overall, though, I mean, in general, we've created this system so that we can deploy an e-commerce component if they need to without having to rebuild the system. Add in different uh, features that, whereas you know, in a WordPress environment or even a Joomla environment. Uh, these sites get attacked with viruses, uh, you know, conflicts with plugins. And in general, you know, if there is an issue, it's sometimes like finding a needle in the haystack. So the big thing for us is that our clients spend a lot of money to maintain their brand. And if there is an issue with the software, 
you know, it should be uh, it should be very easy to fix. It should be uh, very easy to implement new solutions on the fly and not have to worry about some of these other uh, issues that pop up with these off-the-shelf CMS systems. Yes, that sounds sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know, I mean, your client list is so impressive. Besides restaurants, I know you work with hotels, and then I saw on your website that you won a Webby Award uh, for the Bryant Park Hotel. Uh, mm-hmm. And I went to that website. It was, it was cool. I mean, it had great photos. And so what's it like working with a hotel? Uh, it's a lot of fun. We really enjoyed working with the group at the Bryant Park Hotel because they were so enthusiastic about having a new website because their previous website was Flash. Ah. And <laughs> they said, you know, we really cater to a certain crowd, and we, which is a fashion crowd primarily. And they were, I think, really one of the first big boutique hotels. And, you know, I thought that the, uh, you know, for us, it was a, um, you know, to me, uh, you I know, hear going a in announcement and, going on in the background. I know right? there's some announcements. Sorry, it's okay. It happens uh, live radio. So, so what I was going to say was that having the opportunity to build a website for a hotel really made me think about the pictures and how many times when I book a room for a hotel that I never get a good feel for what it is. Mm. And we just wanted to maximize the footprint of the photo on on the web page. And we we created it. We also art directed all the photos, you know, the list of photos to do because we really wanted to make sure that everything came out from top to bottom. And our success in doing that really, uh, you know, really showed up when we got recognized for that award. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. And, and being able to go through and evaluate the hotel and understand what it's about and reflect that experience on the website really uh, it's remarkable. We, we love doing that. And we also enjoy uh, creating different types of websites. So we don't have uh, a mold, so to speak, or a template. Each site is custom design. You know, although there's similar navigational elements at some point or another, you know, uh, we really never design from, especially from a WordPress aesthetic, you know, that's almost the furthest thing. Even though we use WordPress, you know, and I, I think it's it's fine on a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't design like that because we feel like the brands really need to be much more... Uh, can't be confined to to such a generic platform like the WordPress platform, and you can see with these sometimes with these restaurant sites. And uh, you know, look, it's uh, you know you have to understand people's budgets and costs. Uh, and then on the flip side, you need to ask yourself, you know, if you're uh, if you're a one or two or three million dollar restaurant, you know, is it really worth it to have a WordPress site, or is it better to create a a site? from scratch that really stands out for what it is right. and, and represents the brand in a better way. What's, what's the cost difference approximately of doing like a WordPress versus a, a completely customized website? Well, I mean, for us, there's really no cost difference. 
but <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make a difference, really. But uh, well, the I person paying it. People, <laughs> well, what I can tell you is this: is that uh, you know you might be more inclined to get a theme that might be uh, very cheap to use, but then if you start to use a WordPress site, you might run into problems or you might not be able to add things on the way you want to. And the dashboard, you know, which is pretty good, uh, it's made a lot of strides over the years, you know, it's still not uh, consumer-friendly, at least for a business. You know, a business really needs to have that admin dashboard really filtered down into the specific areas of content that they need to update. And with WordPress, there's just a lot of different things in there. And, you know, uh, again, it's not really necessary, uh, you know, but that's, that, but that's more of a do-it-yourself website in that way. Right. Well, you do you do beautiful websites, and I think thank you. Yeah, the way the Bryant Park Hotel, as an example, I mean, you're you're absolutely right with hotels. A lot of times, you go to their websites, and you can't really tell what a room looks like or even the property. So, you you were able to do that on this on this site. So, very cool. very good. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, we're going to take another break here, and we're going to come back. We're going to do my speed round game and talk some industry news. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. was brought to you by visitnapavalley.com. Welcome to the Napa Valley, North America's legendary wine and food capital, where the art of living well is defined, and each season holds a story waiting to be discovered. Life feels slower here, lived at a place where tables are set with care. Fine wine and food are created from the bounty of our own vineyards and gardens, and relationships with friends and family gathered around the table are somehow sweeter. When planning a trip to the Napa Valley, we invite you to visit the destination's official visitor website, visitnapavalley.com, or stop by Napa County's official visitor information center, located in downtown Napa, where our friendly and knowledgeable community ambassadors can assist you in creating your own legendary Napa Valley experiences. The Visitor Information Center is located at 600 Main Street, Napa, and is open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., seven days a week, 360 days a year. Your invitation to experience the Napa Valley beckons. Take a deep breath, lose yourself in our quiet green and golden hills, renew your body and spirit, taste our legendary wines and cuisine, and experience the people who make this valley like no other in the world. For more information, go to visitnapavalley.com. We're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Peter Orfanus. It's time for my speed round game. So, Peter, I'm going to name two things, such as chocolate or vanilla, and you just pick your preference. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. <laughs> eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, or cocktail? Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? 
tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Okay, a few more. Restaurants or hotel websites? Uh, Restaurant websites. Working with chef owners or non-chef owners? Chef owners. Cheese plate or dessert? Uh, Dessert. Last one, Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Los Angeles? Or London? (laughs) Uh, I'll do Manhattan. Okay. Wow, I, I I could tell you were thinking about the answers, but you were really good. You didn't you you went through that with speed. So thank you. No, a lot I, of I a lot of people like. get stuck. I know what I. <laughs> <laughs> you, thank you. You know what you like. <laughs> okay, so let's talk some industry news. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Oops, that's kind of fun. <laughs> I know. Another announcement. The, Things happening no, in your hotel. I'm not in Central America, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, um, okay, so an article I wanted to bring up was on Grub Street. Uh, It was about how Pulitzer Prize-winning food critic Jonathan Gold abandons anonymity. It was by Hugh Merwin. And so Jonathan Gold is, I mean, that's a a great topic for us, too, because he's from Los Angeles, uh, West Coast critic, and he's decided now after all these years to not play the game of being anonymous in making reservations and going to restaurants uh, like Adam Platt did uh, about a year or so ago. And Steve Cuso, who came on my show, has been uh, been doing this for a long time. So it seems to be a bit of a trend. What do you think? I love it. Uh, I think it is great because, listen, at the end of the day, hospitality, restaurants, it's about great service. And when you're put on the spot to do great service and have them show their best, uh, I don't know. I think it, it, it can resonate. And, you know, if you always have great service, uh, you know, that's amazing. I mean, everybody has a bad night. We know that, uh, you know, in any industry. But uh, I think it's great. I think it just puts more of a, puts the restaurant more to a challenge, you know, knowing that that critic is there. And, uh, you know, and really, uh, I think it also inspires the staff as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, I I would be inspired if I know that I'm getting critiqued by by a top food critic. I know that I would want to try to take my level, take it to another level. Uh, I mean, that's what you do when you when you're challenged like that. When you do, <laughs> you do when you have so much on the line, right? And I I think a lot of energy has gone into critics disguising themselves, uh, you know, trying to go uh, anonymous and knowing then that they're really being spotted. But there's been this game of you know pretending not to not to notice that they notice you're a critic. <laughs> um, right. So it seems like without doing that, the energy can, can just go into doing a review. Um, 
Although I, I do on the other side think there's something about the, you know, trying to be have like unbiased with them not knowing that you're a critic because I think critics can sometimes get special treatment because people know that they're about to write a re- review, you know. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. When I was down in New Orleans, we have uh, we have a few great restaurant groups down there, including uh, Dickie Brennan's group. And uh, one of our other clients down there, though, uh, when I first met him, I went to the restaurant first for, for lunch. And I didn't let him know who I was until after I had the food just because I wanted to try it out. I didn't feel like I wanted to. I just wanted to experience it for who the chef was. And, uh, you know, I, uh, it was a great lunch, but I felt like afterwards, after he's like, oh, you know, it's like, it's like I didn't realize that was you in the restaurant. And I said, yes, you know, I was going to say something, but I sort of just wanted to see how you operated without, you know, without any, uh, without any filter, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that is where I felt like I should have just identified it. It might have been uh, a fun experience, uh, you know, to see, you know, I don't even know if it would have changed that much. It might have just. It might have added an extra five-minute conversation with the chef, and that's about it. <laughs> but I, but I, 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 I always do now. So, but it could have meant they could have sent out other dishes if they knew you were coming in, or, or I don't know, try to impress you more or giving you a different table. I mean, who knows? Um, but I like doing that too. I mean, it's interesting with my solo dining. I do not like. I'm not known in in a lot of these places, so I am totally anonymous going in, and then afterward I talk about it on my show. So it's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. Um, but I do think, as do, being a PR person, it is true that uh, restaurant kitchens a lot of times have photos of critics on their walls, so they know what they look like, and sometimes I have helped my clients get those photos. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think with the internet now, it's it's everyone's pictures online. So I think that's why this this movement of has kind of gone in this direction. Right. But, and I, I've even uh, I've even been to uh, I think I, I I've been to restaurants where the food critics have been there. And it's just uh, you can see uh, everyone, the staff sort of angling towards that part of the room. <laughs> right. Well, I guess I guess uh, we can all now be on the lookout more for Jonathan Gold. So <laughs> yeah. um, another story I had was recently on Yahoo News. It was also on Good Morning America, how Cronut Creator plans six-course dessert tasting menu with cocktail pairings. And so this is Dominique Ansel, who's now well-known for inventing the cronut. And uh, he's opening a second restaurant called Up, which stands for Unlimited Possibilities. It will also be down in the West Village. But he's not going to have the cronut there. And he's doing a chef's table. And he's, it's, I think it's going to be um, a bakery-type service during the day. And then at night, he has a chef's table that seats 10. And it's going to be uh, five to eight courses and uh, it's just a totally – it's different than the retail bakery. He's going to be able to play with desserts more like when he did when he was at Danielle. Uh, so um, what do you think about, about this idea? 
Well, I think it's dynamic. I love that. It's, you know, anything to change up the pace a little bit and with cocktail pairings and, and different courses, especially from, you know, uh, bakery, you know, Krona King, basically I think, uh, you know, you have to try it. Uh, it's exciting to see what types of things, uh, you know, are, uh, are, are done on the menu. Uh, you know, I get excited. Sometimes I don't want to go and read a menu until I get there because I think I love this element of surprise. And then to see what they've come up with and then have that surprise so that I know that this cocktail is being paired with, you know, this type of dish. Uh, you know, there's obviously some type of reasoning by it and, and rationale, and you want to understand it. And you enjoy it when you see that it's a great combination. Yeah, and, and Dominique is so creative. I mean, this that's he's just always thinking up new desserts and and ways to present things. I think this idea, uh, I'm excited to check it out once it opens. I think it will be uh, a hard place to get into if it's only 10 seats. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like the Cronut line. But um, there's a bit of a trend on this too, because there's another place opening very soon, if not this week, called Butter and Scotch. That's in Crown Heights, and they're doing dessert and cocktail bar. Oh, I, I don't know. I think there's a bit of a trend going on here, which is exciting. Right. Well, I think you have to see how they set up the different courses mm-hmm. and see how that works as a whole uh, as a whole experience. But I don't know. My bet would be Dominique will have some very interesting things. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I have a hunch he will. <laughs> okay, we're going to take another short break. Come back, I'm going to do my solo dining experience. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience of the week. This week, I'm talking about Via Carota. Here's the rundown. The location, 51 Grove Street in Manhattan's West Village. The concept, Italian trattoria serving traditional plates and aperitifs in a rustic, cozy space. The chefs and owners, Rita Sodi and Jody Williams. Why did I go? Because this duo has already proved that they are amazing restaurateurs with their respective West Village places, Isodi and Bouvette, and this new spot combining their efforts was sure to be a hit. My experience. 
I went on a weekday night on the early side. I got a seat at the bar. As soon as I walked in, I knew that I liked the place. It had a warm and cozy vibe, yet felt Italian chic. What did I get? I ordered the gnocchi, as pasta was on my mind. And then I was looking for a vegetable, and I went with the cauliflower gratin. Afterwards, I had a macchiato. My take? Both dishes were delicious, but very rich and cheesy. In hindsight, I probably should have gone with a lighter vegetable to balance the gnocchi, which had gorgonzola, and also something that wasn't just white. All my plates were white. So it was a very decadent solo dinner on a crisp winter night. The scene? Locals and friends of the chefs. Perfect for groups, couples, and solo diners. Interesting tidbit? Rita and Jody are not only business partners, but they are a real couple. Personal fun fact? I've dined solo at Isodi and with a friend at Bouvet, loved both places. The cost, $32, not in- including tax and tip. Would I go back? Absolutely. Website is viacarota.com. Okay, now, Peter, we're almost to the end of yes. the show. Hi. So it's time for the final question. So next week I'm having on Leslie Sprocco. She is an award-winning author, speaker, wine consultant, and television host. So, Peter, can you ask a question for Leslie? Um, I would love to know what she uses uh, to research wine, if she has a specific application, especially if she has an iPhone or an Android, uh, that she recommends when she researches wine or, or actually goes to the store to find out um, about the different bottles. Ah, great question. I think she drinks. That's what she, how, how she researches. <laughs> <laughs> she's 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 an awesome awesome lady. So excited to have her on the show. That's great. Uh, but I love it. I mean, I think uh, that's one thing that I haven't seen. You know, there are some good applications out there, but I don't really see a lot of focus on that. Well, I will ask her and and see what she has to say about that. So thank you. And um, thank you for, for calling in uh, from what I'm assuming is warm Los Angeles. <laughs> yes, it is warm. It's beautiful. I'm in Westwood. It's, uh, it's, it's nice. it, it beats New York weather, that's for sure. Yes, I, it's a little, a little frigid here. <laughs> but okay. um, enjoy. Thank you so much. And I'll thank have to see you when you get back to New York. Thank you very much for having me on the show. And, uh, uh, I'd love to come back again sometime. Thank you. We'll have to see what you're up to down the road. Okay. So I've been talking to Peter Orfinus of Orf Media. His website is orfmedia.com. He's on uh, social media at Orf Media. My social media is at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry, at Heritage underscore Radio. I have a Facebook page, All in the Industry, and a PR website, BayerPublicRelations.com. Uh, as a reminder, all of our shows are archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Stitcher and iTunes. Thanks to my engineer, Jack, and to Peter and everyone out there listening. I'm Sherry Bayer, and I'll be back next Wednesday at 4 o'clock with another live show. Thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. 
You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.